Welcome to the Happy Being Well podcast, where we talk about strategies and insights so you can live happy being well with your host, Rita Perugia. This podcast is presented by happybeingwell.com, your online store providing the best in all natural wellness products, such as natural essential oils, all natural bath products, all natural facial masks, all natural deodorants, irresistible leggings, crystals, including crystal home decor and kitchen items, herbal teas, natural sleep aids, and so much more natural wellness goodies at happybeingwell.com. Free shipping on any order within the USA at happybeingwell.com. Now enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Happy Being Well. And I have a super, super exciting guest today. Her name is Dr. Annie Zimmerman. She wrote this amazing book called The Pocket Therapist. I've been reading it. It is an exceptional book. It really gets down to the nitty gritty about how to actually create permanent change. As I said, it permanent change. So she really gets to the heart of the matter, you know, not just stuff that, you know, brings about a temporary uh, shift in mood. Um, we're really going to dive deep into how to really create permanent change and what prevents people from creating permanent change and breaking those old patterns. So Dr. Annie is a PhD. Uh, she's a very influential TikToker. She's got a huge following on Instagram. Hundreds of thousands of people follow her on both Instagram and TikTok. She's got millions of views on her TikTok videos, all, you know, discussing basically, you know, mental health, how to stop self-sabotaging behavior, you know. So, um, so Annie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I love, love, love your book. Um, basically, you know, your book helps readers dive into their past to identify old, unhelpful patterns and teach them how to unlock the present moment. It combines practical tools with antidotes gleaned from the the therapy room, because you are a psychotherapist, distilling complex psychological concepts with her signature warmth and empathy. Um, her belief galvanized by her hundreds of thousands of followers is that we, is that if we learn to understand the roots of our suffering, we can bring about meaningful and permanent change in our lives. It all comes down to learning how to ask the right questions. So Annie, you know, I've actually kind of, I've been um, experiencing this myself, like when it comes to our past, but particularly our childhood, a lot of people like to think, oh, I had a charmed childhood. And I was one of those, you know, people like I just, you know, because I always, I think when I was growing up in my generation, um, in terms of what the media was exposing or even what personal development was even talking about in those days, was that I always thought in order to have a trauma, it had to be this big, huge, big trauma that involved violence or, you know, financial trauma or, you know what I mean? So I never was able to identify those little small traumas until later on when people were talking about it more and I was starting to put the pieces together. And so talk to us about how, like, why do people do that? I like, why do, why do people just, yeah, everything's fine. I had a charmed childhood. My past is fine. Meanwhile, they binge eat or, you know, they're having problems, you know, sustaining a healthy relationship or healthy relationships in general, you know, so talk to us about that. 
yeah I think it can be really hard to admit that um your childhood was less than perfect I think we can feel um like we're maybe being ungrateful or that we aren't appreciative of things that were done for us or if we start talking negatively it means that we undo all of the love and the positive things we received um so in a way categorizing things as trauma or not trauma is actually kind of unhelpful because it means that we're having to label things that have happened to us whereas actually all of our experiences have impacted us every single one whether they're traumatic or not traumatic and I think if we reframe it to to think about okay how did your childhood impact you what are some things that happened um that might have shaped you what kind of you know blueprints for how to handle your feelings and express yourself and have relationships how you know what was the messages that you've received throughout your life and I think that can help you to not feel that therapy is about like blaming your parents or criticizing them or being ungrateful in some way um at the same time I think it's also really important to recognize that everyone is flawed that no one and I talk about this in the book like no one has had a perfect childhood and and that's okay um and I think one of the hardest parts of the healing process is admitting that your parents are flawed in some way and that your childhood was flawed in some way and that that those negative things that happened impacted you um and I think when we don't admit that that's what leads to the binge eating and the addiction and the self-sabotage and everything that you mentioned um when we're really in denial of the painful parts of ourselves and we try to stay happy and fine all the time and then we end up kind of repressing everything and that goes into these behaviors Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I, there's an example you provided in the book from one of your clients where she was addicted to Candy Crush, playing the game of Candy Crush. Um, and she also just really wasn't, it was really difficult for her to feel like happy, to be really happy in her life. And she tried all these things like traveling to Bali and Mexico, changing her career to a teacher, doing the whole wellness thing and working out, eating healthy, but she still was not able to achieve happiness and addicted to Candy Crush. But, you know, during a therapy session with you, um, you revealed um, the roots behind her addiction to Candy Crush, the uh, playing a video game. Um, was that, you know, when she was little, um, her dad was working and she was like playing ball against the wall in the backyard and making noise. And her dad came out and yelled at her for making noise. And this kind of was like a small trauma to her because normally her dad is smiling and happy. But, um, after the incident, she was upset, but she didn't want to upset her father further. And she said, she apologized and went into the house and played a video game to self-soothe herself. And so that was the initial event from her childhood that led her to self-soothe through video game addiction playing that she mm-hmm. discovered. So I just wanted to highlight that to my listeners to like really showcase, you know, how the first event from a childhood can lead to these behavior addictions like video games, you know, based on something that some, some small event that took place in your childhood that you don't even remember because, you know, you were so little. And there's just so many things that happen in our childhood, you know. How can we possibly remember every little event, you know? <laughs> but this is kind of one one time that would have been reinforced over and over again. And that's why it's so hard to change. It's possible to change, but it takes a lot of, like, repetition and going over things because those coping strategies are so 
hardwired into us if from the age of five we're learning okay don't get upset play a video game or eat some sugar or um get have a tantrum you know whatever our coping mechanism is uh, we would have done that thousands of thousands of times in our life and it would be hardwired into our brain as it's developing so to change that requires like a lot of patience and a lot of doing things differently over and over and um to to really unpick it otherwise I think a lot of people you know they go to like one therapy session or they try something once and they're like oh no it didn't work it's too hard but I think knowing just how deep the roots can be it means that you have to kind of give yourself time and patience to really work it through yeah so how how would you obviously she would regularly talk to you about her trying to replace would, would you would she replace the addiction uh, the video game addiction or would like how would you like, what's the process to kind of I change think that it, it's really about being aware of what you're using the uh, behavior to cope with so for her it's video games and so if every time she feels uncomfortable she just gets a craving to play video games or a craving to binge or whatever the thing is um you would start to think okay what is it that's going on for me in this moment and just be really curious like why why do I need to switch up my brain off? Why do I need to numb? And then slowly through therapy and talking about it, it's like getting to touch, getting in touch with those really painful and vulnerable feelings and allowing yourself to express them. So if you're, if her dad, for example, never allowed her to be upset or angry, um, in therapy, getting upset, getting angry, showing those things can be hugely transformative because you're, you're saying, you know, um, I, someone else can see this side of me and they're still here, they still love me, you know, that this is acceptable through the eyes of another. And I think that messaging alone is so powerful um, that it means that you can then start to tolerate those difficult feelings in yourself. And hopefully over time, um, when you allow yourself to feel that and to really let it out and not repress it anymore, you don't need that coping mechanism so much. I love that. So... The process really would just be if you are, you identify what the the device, the thing is, whether it's food or a video game or whatever it is to kind of soothe yourself or numb yourself from feeling the feeling of the triggering, you know, painful feeling, whatever it is, discomfort, a trigger. Um, you ask yourself the question, okay, why am I wanting to do this activity or behavior? What's going on in my body? Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far with Dr. Annie Zimmerman discussing her amazing book, The Pocket Therapist. Quick announcement, um, you know, since Happy Being Well is also all about using tools and products to promote a calm nervous system, to engage in reflective activities, uh, such as journaling, meditating, so you and just creating Zen in your home to help encourage and stimulate you in for those activities. Um, so you can find all products to make you happy being well in terms of all natural candles, crystals, sage, incense sticks, aromatherapy diffusers, bath bombs, essential oils, salt lamps, and so much more happy being well goodies at happybeingwell.com. Subscribe to the email newsletter on the homepage to get 10% off your first order and also free shipping in the USA on all orders. Always 
So check out happybeingwell.com. Also for podcast listeners, get you get 25% off all activewear leggings. Use code podcast25 at checkout to get 25% off any leggings of your choosing and free shipping in the USA on all orders, of course. So enjoy the pod, this podcast episode with Dr. Annie Zimmerman. Um, in allowing yourself to just really feel the pain of the initial event that caused that addiction, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, so in order to do that, you would have to, I guess, revisit the initial event that triggered or created this, you know, addiction, this behavior, self-top, self-topping behavior, addictive behavior, whatever you want to label it as. Um, and, and then maybe like, would you also like kind of take, like really recognize how we feel the other feelings that it led to, like that you were avoiding, like maybe, um, you know, avoiding healthy relationships or healthy communication or avoiding communication and difficult communication. And she's going to the video game to sell soothe. And she, meanwhile, is like torching all her relationships because she can't bother dealing with uh, uncomfortable communication. So like, we're just kind of like also reviewing all the consequences throughout the years as well. Cause yeah. And yeah, feeling exactly. Cool. Yeah, it's about like expanding it open and really thinking, okay, like what are the impacts of this? And also trying to do something differently. I think reflection and self-awareness is really important, but it needs to come with change. So for her, it would be challenging herself to show her feelings to someone and have the uncomfortable conversation and and put the screen down and just notice how uncomfortable it feels to be in her body. And like, she, you really have to do something differently as well as just talking, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how us humans like avoid pain so much and what we do to avoid the feeling of pain. <laughs> like, right. and I think, you know, we covertly pick up that messaging just by in our society, you know, everything is just so instant gratification, you know, you know, we got Uber Eats now. If you want some, you know, if you want a cheesecake, boom, just order it on your phone, it's there. Um you know, it's, oh, let's go on vacation. And, you know, everything is just such an instant gratification type of culture we're in. So it is really easy to distract ourselves um, and to feel that temporary sense of joy um, or numbness. Um, mm. Netflix, you know, everything is just such a, right at our fingertips. Um, so it's, so people will, it's just easier to choose that as opposed to actually doing the work and feeling the discomfort and sitting in that pain and feeling the pain. But with that comes like gifts, gifts of healing and gifts of self-awareness and to kind of end those behavior that's preventing you from having the healthy relationship or perhaps whatever it is you want to experience in your life, right? Um, yeah, and it's actually probably causing more pain than just that moment of pain. I think once you start this process, you realize that the feeling, as scary as it is, it's really, it's all tolerable. Like it, it can be the most painful memory or um, situation and you always recover, you know, like 
you people often say you know I'm scared I'm going to start crying and I'll never stop or like the tears will just overwhelm me and, and like it, it'll be the end and of course that doesn't happen you always stop crying and I think it's like reminding yourself that the pain will always be transient it will always be short term or if if it lasts a long time it, there will be an ending point um because otherwise it can feel really really scary to like you know like go into the pain who wants to do that you know Mm -hmm. and I would imagine you know for somebody who's constantly avoiding the pain avoiding the pain it would just increase over the years into you know people end up like in their 50s and they like a lot of people end up in their 50s and they're just like what did I do with my life and then they go and they deal with their trauma right and um so it is better to nip it in the butt when you're like much earlier I think the younger generation I I think we are seeing the younger generation really, op- they're really welcoming therapy. We, we kind of like live in a very therapeutic culture um, right now, you know, with all the mental health podcasts and personal development podcasts. So, um, so that's great. So people are much more open to actually embracing these tools, increasing their self-awareness. Um, but the consequences of ignoring it and is I I think the pain would just increase and then to the point where it just busts like a volcano <laughs> the longer you avoid it. Am I right? Yeah, or are there people yeah. who can just go on and on and on and on <laughs> with that? Friend said this to me in a really nice way um, that I wrote in the book actually, which was like, okay, not processing trauma or things that have happened to you is like having a bunch of wet clothes and just putting them in the cupboard and shutting the door and like you can't see the clothes so in a way they're dealt with but they stay in the cupboard and they rot and they get moldy and smelly and like the problem gets worse as it ferments and trauma is a bit like taking those clothes out and like washing them and it's not sorry processing trauma is like taking them out of the cupboard and washing them and like it's not a nice process you know you're dealing with these smelly clothes and sometimes it like is gross and you might have to wash it again and again to get the smell out but like eventually you deal with the problem um and I think if we don't you know there are lots of people who have midlife crisis or or breakdowns and I think that can often happen when this stuff just piles up and up and the consequences of it get bigger and bigger and we it just kind of all explodes so the, the sooner and the earlier we can deal with these things the better mm-hmm I love that. I, I I can totally, I totally agree. And you also mentioned, you know, people like to are stuck in the thinking mind, like thinking their way out of the their problem or whatever it is, as opposed to actually just feeling what's really going on in their body. And I, I think a lot, a lot of it too is we've just been so conditioned, you know, right from we're little tots to be in our thinking mind, you know, because school, because we spent so many hours most of our lives are really focused on, you know, achieving, 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 whether that's through academics, uh, your career and such, which, you know, puts us in our thinking mind. So, um, so that is something I think that we all have to kind of build muscle towards, like what I'm like good, getting into the feeling body, getting more into the unconscious mind. Um, so can you talk to us about how, you know, it's so easy to get tricked or trick ourselves into think you know being stuck in the thinking mind as opposed to thinking that we could just solve it through our conscious mind as opposed to going into the unconscious yeah I think this is so common especially people engaged in 
wellness and therapy and um, these ideas because they can be so interesting and so compelling and like the desire to understand ourselves is really strong but often we do that just in a way where we're, we're yeah we're staying intellectualized which is where you kind of understand these things um, but you don't really feel them and connect to them and process they don't really get worked through I think like a good example is you know you could go to a therapy session they could say oh you're like that because your mom did this or because you grew up like this and then therapy would be done in one session but it doesn't work like that because there's knowing that in an intellectual brain and then there's knowing that in like the felt sense and in your body and going back to what that was like and connecting to the feelings and um, the shame and you know that this is a long process that can go through different stages and and morph into different things and um, when we stay intellectualized we get really stuck we kind of just go round and round in these loops and um, I think really one of the hardest parts for many people in therapy is actually connecting to it and that's because your unconscious is kind of hiding things from you that it doesn't really want you to be aware of and it it, um, it thinks are dangerous to talk about or to think about or to feel so um, I think always being aware I think you know even in therapy sessions you could be talking about something and just be intellectualizing it and not really connecting to what you're saying um and, and, and of course you need to also have an understanding and make meaning from things and like you don't want to completely switch off the intellectual part um, and the thinking part um so the two things have to kind of find a way to come together I think yeah I absolutely agree I mean it, I I mean I've I think I myself you know beginning the process was I found it very challenging and difficult to go into the feeling body as opposed to staying in the thinking mind um just because it's such a i we're just so used to being in the thing why well, i was just so used to being in the thinking mind like most of us are um you know it, it's like well you don't even know what that even feels like to even go into like the feeling body it's really um it's definitely it was it can be a process to really really allow yourself to go there and you know and i think for example um when someone oh, well, how does that feel like in your body or you know where is it bah, 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 you call to go into the feeling body as opposed to staying in the thinking mind um just because it's such a i we're just so used to being in the thing why well, i was just so used to being in the thinking mind like most of us are um you know it, it's like well you don't even know what that even feels like to even go into like the feeling body. It's really, um, it's definitely, it was, it can be a process to really, really allow yourself to go there and, you know, and I think for example, um, when someone, oh, well, where do, how does that feel like in your body or, you know, where is it? Bah, 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 you start to do, you still, talk back as if you're in your thinking mind oh well i i feel sad or i you know it's it's a it's a thinking type of response so it's a real you know you really have to just go over and over again and to kind of let your defenses drop and feel safe to kind of right. and you, you can see this like in um, in a moment when someone connects to something really vulnerable and you can always see it come up for a millisecond and then they change the subject or um they laugh or smile or make a joke or like you can almost watch them fighting it mm -hmm. um and I think 
to be aware of that when that's happening and not to go with the defense, which is to go away from it and to be able to stay. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a practice because your defenses are very strong and if they don't want to feel something, they won't, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's also like, you know, we've been, you know, some people have adopted the message of like, to be prideful, to be strong, you know, so like to go into that and like be to actually feel, you know, like to feel it and cry and um, to be, you know, you they might think that they're being weak, you know, or, you know, and so I remember so many years ago when I started this journey into personal development and going to all these events and da da da, um, there was a speaker on stage that ran, uh, she was a spiritual speaker and she did a, a powerful meditation w- amongst the the audience and it was about, you know, um, connecting with our, you know, ancestors and anyway, so I ended up, um, you know, being remember having memories of my grandmother, you know, she had deceased and I start, and it just started, I was about to like really just have a bunch of like tears just flood down. And I was shocked at myself that I even, um, you know, at the time, was going to even do that. And I remember fighting so hard. Like, I do not want to be crying in a room full of strangers. Like what is going on? I normally don't break down like this. I'm very, you know, as I was talking to me, I'm very strong. Like this is not, I now do this. Like, you know, um, so I do remember that. So, you know, a lot of people were crying in the room. <laughs> it wasn't just me. So when I did open my eyes, there was every, a lot of people had like watery eyes, a little bit of tears coming down. So she was, it was a very, it was just a very, she just ran a very powerful meditation to really, um, uh, I guess, really take you into those emotions and trigger those emotions within you. Um, so I, I, I can totally understand and relate to that process. Um, so also, you know, you have many exercises throughout the book to help people, you know, guide them through the journey of self-awareness. Um, you know, and I think, you know, what we're discussing right now is, you know, bits and pieces of chipping away at self-awareness. Like you're learning more and more about yourself and why you do the things you do, um, to better, you know, to, to be able to be, to be, be a better leader of your life, essentially and design your own life the way you want to, as opposed to just like, you know, letting your unconscious mind just drive you into things that you don't want to be driven to. And you have this like conscious mind and unconscious mind that are like in perpetual conflict with each other. Right. And people are, and you're not even, most people are not even aware of it because <laughs> they think that the conscious mind is the only thing that's important. Right. Yeah. This is something that is like so fundamental to being self aware that most people don't even really think, as you said, that they have an unconscious and that the unconscious is in the driver's seat. This is kind of goes back to Freud and it's kind of been forgotten a lot in, in these ideas, but um, he, designed the mind as an iceberg so the tip of the iceberg is the conscious mind and the bottom the whole massive iceberg is the unconscious and most of the times when you are not where you want to be in your life it's because your unconscious doesn't actually want you to be there so it's holding you back so consciously you might think okay really want a relationship that is committed and intimate and close with someone I can rely on but you keep choosing people who ghost you or who 
don't want to commit to you or who can't have a difficult conversation and are really avoidant and they're like okay, there's a reason why you keep choosing those people there's always a reason and I think um if we can just accept okay I'm doing that I'm making this choice not consciously because consciously I want a relationship but part of me is making this choice and like be really curious about which part and why you might be sabotaging what you want and why you might be afraid of it or what from your past you're recreating and um it really opens up a lot of room to really understand yourself once you realize that there's just most of your motivation that you don't actually know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh yeah totally and there's so many variables that could have just been a comfort zone if your caretakers treated you that way and you're totally not aware of it because nobody talked about you know gaslighting or you know all these narcissistic traits that I in my opinion I think that we all have narcissistic traits just to varying degrees um mm -hmm. and so you know and I and I I think well I didn't really I wasn't aware of what those narcissistic traits really entailed until uh, in recent years until a few years ago um and it, it was actually kind of it was really helpful to learn actually because you know, I started to identify, you know, is that really about me or is it really about them? And like, you know, just really just take responsibility for my own behavior and let other people's behavior, that's their responsibility type of thing. So it was it served as a, as an empowering tool for me, mental tool for me to learn. Um, you do talk about, and I do like that you mentioned like, you know, get curious about your behavior. Like, why are you constantly dating somebody who's an avoidant? And, you know, it's one after another, like, what, what's up with that? Like, where did that come from? Why are you? So I like that. Um, because those are part of the five key steps in your process to understanding your emotions and moving past your suffering. Number one, get curious. And number two, understand Number three, feel. Number four, act. And number five, repeat is what you mentioned in your book. Um, so we get curious. Then we understand like where it came from. And then we feel it. We feel and then we act. So I guess we can act in various ways as opposed to dating we can now recognize the avoidant and then we can act to, am I going to engage in continuing dating this person or I'm going to, you know, want to identify someone who's more healthier and date a much more healthier minded person. That would be a part of act, right? Yeah, exactly. Because I think you can then be like, okay, I'm afraid of intimacy myself. I keep choosing people who can't open up. That must mean un unconsciously I'm either repeating a dynamic from my past or I'm I'm afraid of a real proper relationship and you understand where it comes from and you know these five steps are to be held loosely I think they're all aspects of the process but they're not necessarily linear and they don't they're not kind of, you know it's a messy process so you might return to a few and go back and forth but um and then you kind of feel the fear and um or the lack of kind of healthy relationships you've had and really connect to the feelings and then and then what do you do with all of that um and I think you can then use your self-awareness to make really conscious different decisions so like 
you know, not texting back to someone who you know doesn't want something committed and really like taking steps to pursue what you actually want. And then in the moments when you recognize that you are self-sabotaging, you can remind yourself of all of these things and go back and um, and try to help yourself connect to what it is that's holding you back. So um, yeah, the step, and the step five is repeat because again, it's not linear. You're not gonna go through these once and then be cured. And I don't even know if cure really exists, but certainly if you really wanna make a change, you have to go through these over and over again and keep, kind of intercepting your unconscious and you back so um yeah the step and the step five is repeat because again it's not linear you're not gonna go through these once and then be cured and I don't even know if cure really exists but certainly if you really want to make a change you have to go through these over and over again and keep kind of intercepting your unconscious motivations and when your unconscious is making you do something that isn't in line with your conscious just kind of keep going um through these steps and trying to uh, change something um because again lots of people say to me like okay well I know all this and I'm still making these choices and it's like okay well if you really know then do something differently and that sounds really simple and obvious but sometimes it's the doing that people get stuck on and it's the actual change because that's where it's uncomfortable and scary Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's uncomfortable it's scary um you know for example if someone has been dating unhealthy men um you know they're that's something that they've gotten familiar with too it's something that you did that's a, they're used to that particular type of personality um it could be a part is a part of it also like all of our behavior triggers certain chemicals in our brain Right. So, and so we can, we just get addicted, you know, to like, for example, workaholics, you know, they, they, you get dopamine hits from all of you achieving all of your career milestones. So they can't stop working, right. Cause you are getting dopamine hits from, you know, you know, achieving your career milestones. It feels good. It feels good to be the best and feeling significant and stuff like that. So, um, same would apply me perhaps with the dating thing too. Like maybe a, a a female or a male maybe might find a challenge in trying to change the avoidant, you know, and try to get dopamine hits that way if they try to influence and, you know, or overturn their behavior or whatever it is. Or as we know with unhealthy relationships, it's intermittent. It's not always toxic and they get it and they're just waiting for the, the good parts, the rewards of the relationship. And, um, so that can be addicting too, because you're on, you get stuck in that hamster wheel of like, just waiting for that, you know, serotonin hit of that. Okay. It's not going to be toxic forever. He's going to like, you know, it's going to be all lovey-dovey soon. Just because it's a, it's a, it's a cycle that, typically unhealthy people um like to put their partners through and it can be very addictive you know like I think it's called trauma bonding um so I think it's just really important to you know learn about yeah get get curious like you say in your book get curious and, and then understand it um feel it and then start acting on changing it like do I really want to continue um doing this and what are the consequences if you do continue this behavior 
Yeah, and it, and it might also be adding something into your life. Like with addiction, it's generally considered to be you're trying to fill a hole in you, um, whether that's a hole that goes back to a lack of love and care you got in early childhood or loneliness you're having in your life presently. Um, it might be about identifying what it is you're really wanting and really craving and trying to nourish yourself with something that actually, you know, connects. They say that connection is the antidote to addiction and vulnerability is the antidote to addiction. So like where in your life can you find more vulnerable connective experiences and replace um, the hole that you're trying to fill the addiction with? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, and so, and you come from a family of psychotherapists, like you grew up in this stuff and you became one yourself. Um, so speaking of like childhood, you know, you were like, did you, was that a part of the reason why you became a psychotherapist? Um, did you like, you know, was there a lot of like therapy talk in the household? Like, you know, I believe your mom was one, your grandmother was one I, I think your answer yeah, in my life in my um, family of therapists so I definitely grew up in the cult of therapy <laughs> there was a lot of let's say a lot of intellectualization going on a lot of analysis and conversation but um, it gave me a real appreciation for these kind of fundamental things uh, such as your childhood impacts you and uh, what happens if you're not really connected to yourself and you're not feeling your feelings and that your unconscious exists and these are things I kind of take for granted as being um, what I believe to be true but so many people aren't aware of and I think that's that's part of my mission to spread it because um, once you realize that then you you can kind of increase the power you have in your life and really you know go from what feels like having no choice and being like a powerless victim to your life to um having more control and accepting where you can't control things but really you know being empowered to make changes and I think that is a really beautiful gift um to give yourself and to create in your life mm -hmm. yeah I, an emphasis on the word peaceful <laughs> you know I think um you know if when you don't address these things it's very difficult to live in peace and be in harmony with yourself um because typically, you know, people will start to create chaos in their in their lives without really fully recognizing it, you know, um, and then just blame other people. Oh, well, they you got me mad or whatever it is. Meanwhile, you're the one who got mad. You're the one who got mad, right? You you allowed yourself to react that way because it's triggering a past event that you have not dealt with, right? So um and and thereby you know you have you have difficulties sustaining healthy relationships right that's just a little small example um so i really love your book i encourage everybody to read the pocket therapist i mean your book talks about self awareness i mean there's chapters on self awareness there's chapters on relationships um there's exercises that the reader can go through um so it really your intention was really to serve as a guide, you know, it's not to replace therapy, but it's a guide. Um, so how can people use this as a guide to therapy, not to replace it, but how can they use that as a tool for a guide? Yeah. I've had so many nice messages of people reading the book and being like, Oh, I bought 
you know, I read this bit and I brought it into a therapy session or I, um, you know, this has made me want to start therapy or I did this exercise and it brought up all these memories from my childhood and it meant that I then had something to talk about new in therapy this week. Like, so I think it's, it can really bolster therapy and encourage you to reflect outside of sessions and, and also just bring a different lens of like, you know, the way I think and the way that I think therapy is about might be really different to the journey that you're on and so I think it's really important to be like open-minded to lots of different techniques and schools of thought and ideas just to keep expanding and um and growing in your awareness so yeah I think you can you can use this book as a way to grow just on your own and and reading it and learning or you can you can bring it into your therapy practice um, I love that yeah I love that I love that it's it's basically serves as like a blueprint that you can go into your therapy and guide you where you need to focus on, you know, by educating yourself, by reading the book and maybe might trigger some new insights or like, yeah, that also affected me too. Or, you know, things from your past or current life. Plus the exercises definitely help you, you know, dive deep by you answering the questions. So I love that. It's like a, it gives you like, it's like a map, you know, mind map or, to kind of guide you through and make your therapy sessions much more productive and efficient. So I love that. Um, so I, I think I highly encourage everybody to really buy the book. It's actually, I couldn't stop reading it. I was like, this is how to, it was brilliantly written. It covers, you know, the fundamental concepts and principles that we all should be well aware of and address when it comes to creating permanent change. Um, so where could people buy your book? Obviously, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Is there, do you have like a website? Um, yeah, anywhere where you buy your books online, I think it's available um, and in person. It's in a few independent bookshops, which is always good to support. Um, but yeah, the big ones as well. And you, you guys can also follow her on TikTok and Instagram. She has a big huge following on both platforms. Um, and I checked out some of her videos. They're excellent. And <laughs> they're really great little bite-sized, you know, information about, you know, you know, mental health, personal development, um, how to nip self-sabotaging behaviors in the butt. Um, she even talks, she even dresses like, you know, dating stuff, a lot of different topics on her TikTok and Instagram videos. So your TikTok and Instagram handle is about, you know, you know, mental health, personal development, um, how to nip self-sabotaging behaviors in the butt. Um, she even talks, she even dresses like, you know, dating stuff, a lot of different topics on her TikTok and Instagram videos. So your TikTok and Instagram handle is the pockets, your pocket side in your <laughs> sorry say it again your underscore pocket underscore therapist okay your pocket therapist um so you can follow her there highly encourage you to follow her she's got really great accounts and is there anything you want to close with annie um no that's all great thank you so much for having me it's always so lovely when people read the book and i love talking about it it's one of those things that you kind of do and then you don't talk about until time has passed. So it's really lovely to, to hear your thoughts and talk about it with you. Yeah, it was an amazing book. I, I'm still reading it. It's just, it's, 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 I really thoroughly enjoy reading it. It's, it was really written very well. Um, 
and presented in a way that everybody can understand. And it really does address all the major um, concepts and principles that we really do need to tackle in order to really create the permanent change, not the temporary, you know, I mean, I do like affirmations, but I mean, I think that sometimes when we just solely focus on one little tool and avoid going deep into the unconscious and the past and really doing, you know, it, I feel like it can be sometimes be like a band-aid effect sometimes. Um, and especially if you don't really believe your affirmation too, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of psychokinesthetics. I, you know, studies have shown if you say something that you don't believe your body gets weaker. So you have to really be conscious and be aware of, you know, um, of what we tell ourselves too, and what we really believe and, you know, beliefs are a really big part of our behavior. So, um, so I think what you address in the book is really, really the foundation of what we really need to tackle and be aware of and increase the self-awareness of, uh, of what we really truly believe in order to make those affirmations actually really, really, you know, work and be effective fully. Right. Yeah. Cause if it's out of sync with what you really believe about yourself, then it's just going to feel false and it's not really going to touch the sides. It's not going to make that real deep change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, you know, in a many, many, many years ago, I was a college instructor and um, I actually did the psychokinesthetic um, testing on my students, you know, um, in order to increase their motivation to study harder, to get good marks. I, you know, wanted them to develop, to cultivate a positive mindset and um, showing them how their thoughts can influence their body, the strength of their body. So I would do the whole like muscle testing, you know, putting out their arm and I always get the big strong guy in the room to say, you know, I can do it, I can do it. And his arm is super strong, well, his arm's super strong. And he says, I can do it, I can do it. And his arm's still super strong. I can't even move it. And then I say, okay, say you can't do it. And then all of a sudden I, he puts his arm out and I push my arm down and it's, his arm is weak, right? Then I also demonstrated it for lying. So if you lie and say, your name is John, and I have you say, your name is Barry, you know, your arm is actually going to go weaker too. So um, that was a technique that I loved to demonstrate in all my classes to kind of really promote and foster a positive mindset when it came to them, you know, thinking that, yes, they can get good marks if they just study and da 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 da, da. So, yeah, so um, it's, um, yeah, I've just, I'm, I'm just a big personal development junkie, but always have been. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I joined the club. <laughs> so thank you, Danny, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you on the Happy Being Well podcast. And if you are a first-time listener, subscribe to the Happy Being Well podcast so you don't miss another episode. Okay, guys, that's it for today. Remember, live happy being well. If you learned something new or were inspired to live happy being well, please be sure to subscribe to the Happy Being Well podcast so you don't miss an upcoming episode. Also, please feel free to leave a five-star review, including what you learned or what inspired you in today's episode. This podcast is presented by happybeingwell.com, your online store for natural wellness products so you can live happy being well. Order your next all-natural essential oil, all-natural face mask, all-natural bath soap, all-natural deodorant, herbal tea, crystals including crystal home decor and kitchen items, irresistible leggings, and much more at happybeingwell.com. 
free shipping on all orders within the USA.